What's up, everybody? Uh, my name is Ryan. This is the Kingsman Report. It's the news everyone ignores. This is the live podcast. Um, if you want to call in, the number is one four zero eight six three eight zero nine six eight, and then you enter the meeting ID. It's five three four two three three four seven five eight, and it's uh, streaming in the ticker at the bottom of the screen. Um, if you want to share any news articles, the email is also in the ticker at the bottom of the screen. It's Kingsman Report two thousand nineteen at gmail dot com. Uh, I have a whole bunch of news tonight, as you can see in the thumbnail there. Um, sorry, as you can see in the thumbnail there. Um, I'm going to talk about that. So a bunch of mystery objects showed up at a, uh, a I guess, a secret uh, military base. Um, I, and then, I, like I said, I have a whole bunch of articles to share. Uh, so I'm going to get situated here, and then I will be right back. I said I'm gonna cover a bunch of news articles. I I do have one um, that's out of out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's my uh, hometown. It has to do with the 1921 race massacre that happened there in 1921. So I'm gonna cover an article on that. Um, if you're not familiar with it, uh, it's I mean it's a horrible thing that happened. Uh, I've done a prior video on on uh, some or on what exactly happened. Um, and as of late, they're trying to find, or they're looking for mass graves where they believe a lot of the bodies were buried. So, uh, the the first article here says uh, possible mass grave uh, from 1921 Tulsa race massacre found by researchers. So uh, I'm gonna get into that. I have uh, this, you know, people may think that this is funny. I don't find this funny whatsoever, but. Uh, I saw this article and I was, you know, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, Ep Epilepsy Foundation says hackers posted seizure-causing gifts to a Twitter account. So apparently, you know, the people that were going to the Epilepsy Foundation's Twitter account were exposed to gifts that were uh, put on there to cause seizures. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, 
California porch pirate caught after police used GPS bait package. Doorbell camera captures man defecating on a Denver porch. Disgusting. Uh, there was one prior to this. Uh, happened, uh, I think, the beginning of this year, maybe middle of summer or something like that. Uh, another guy was licking someone's ring doorbell, and that was all over the internet. Um, the driver used so much air freshener in his car, it literally exploded. Uh, this is from the Asia Times. It says, China's super gun worries Pentagon watchers. Uh, Russian spy ship unsafely close to U.S. nuclear sub base off of the East Coast. Syria's Assad says the U.S. is working with, quote, terrorists and selling oil stolen from the country. Syria prepares for a major offensive as the U.S. votes for new sanctions on Assad, Russia, and Iran. Uh, NASA's building a supersonic plane that goes as fast as uh, Concorde without the sound. And artificial intelligence is going to make America's F-35 and B-2 even stronger. And I thought I stopped. Um, and then, of course, what the video is, is named after. Uh, a dozen mystery objects suddenly popped out of hangars at Tonopah's Test Range Airport. And then, you know, I'm going to get into... Um, couple quotes from Ben Rich that has to do with um, some of the technology that they have hidden in the desert and he says has been hidden in the desert that they're 50 years um, ahead of what they tell us that they have in the desert so more or less anything that you've seen on TV Star Trek Star Wars they have it hidden in the desert and this is why I seem to think that this whole UFO phenomenon that's happening are actually um, unidentified uh, well, I guess UAVs, unidentified aerial vehicles. So I think we do know what they are, but I think they're setting us up for something um, aside of what they're telling us about. So whether this technology is, is owned and operated by others um, in the world, who knows? But it's out there. So um, I'll get into one of his quotes, and, and then I'll go over that article. So if you're just tuning in, I always cover from... Um, know locally and then I go out from there so I go from a little news if we have you know news in Oklahoma which we don't have much here um, and then I go outwards to my main article uh, and like I said this is a live podcast it's the Kingsman Report it's the news everyone ignores my name is Ryan um, the phone lines are open um, the chat is running and there's also a pop-up on the screen if you subscribe to the channel if you want to call in, the number is 1408-638-0968, and then enter the meeting ID. It's 534-233-4758. All the information is scrolling in the ticker across the bottom of the screen. So let's get into this news. It says, Possible mass graves from 1921 Tulsa race massacre found by researchers. Experts at the University of Oklahoma believe they have found possible mass grave site from the 1921 Tulsa race massacre at a city cemetery, although they are unsure how many bodies are underneath. Geophysical scanning identified two spots at the Oaklawn Cemetery that might bear bodies of those killed in the city's race riots almost 100 years ago. Scott Hammerstedt, 
a senior researcher at Oklahoma Archaeological Survey, said Monday at a public hearing in Tulsa. Surveys confirmed suspicious suspicions that one area might be a grave, in addition to a newly discovered trench under the soil of about 30 to 25 feet. He said in a quote, I'm as confident as I can be in the results that this is a very big candidate with something associated with the massacre. Bob Stuttlefield, a forensic anthropologist at the University of Florida, cautioned at the hearing that the number of bodies inside the trench could be anywhere from 10 to 100. He also said it's unlikely that researchers will be able to identify any remains. We just don't know what level of preservation we'll get, Stubblefield said. The city is also working with the private owners of Booker T. Washington Cemetery in Tulsa to gain permission to scan the grounds, which researchers suspect could be home to another gravesite. And this has been uh, locally, since I'm local, um, like I said at the beginning of this, this they, G.T. Bynum, our, our, or the mayor in Tulsa, um, this is something that he's been interested in doing. Was was trying to find to see if if we had any mass graves from the race massacre that happened in 1921. Um, you know, we had the Greenwood Cultural Center down in the area that this happened. There's a bunch of placards in the uh, sidewalk and the foundation where this happened. You can actually go down there and see the foundations of some of the old houses that were down there. I've walked down there. I've read the history on this. Um, I didn't actually learn about this until I was probably 25 to 27. It's kind of suppressed. Well, it was kind of suppressed information whenever we were younger. It's just, oops, sorry. It's just something that we don't, uh, it's not necessarily spoke about. But I think as of late, they're making this part of uh, history classes in Oklahoma to you know, teach kids about uh, some of the local history. Um, and also, it says uh, this graveyard here, uh, Washington Cemetery in Tulsa, Booker T. So it's a it's a high school. There's a high school, Booker T. Washington High School. This is, I believe, this is out north, and the name has changed. This is what the name currently is. I read the article and I didn't catch. I don't remember what what the uh, new name of the cemetery is. Okay, so. Uh, This is a little bit of history, so this goes on, on into the history if you're not familiar with, with this. It says, street by street, block by block, the white invaders moved north acro across the African-American district of Tulsa, Oklahoma, looting homes and setting them on fire. It says, Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum initiated an investigation into rumored mass graves of the Tulsa Race Massacre in October 2018, calling the riots a, quote, point of shame for our community. A decision on the next step regarding the suspected graves won't be made for at least a few months, as a public oversight committee on the graves is scheduled to meet again in February. But experts recommend that the city secure the sites in the meantime. If the city decides to go ahead with an uh, excavation effort, several permits would need to be approved. The Tulsa Race Massacre, sometimes referred to the Tulsa Race Rights, began in May of 1921 after a black teenager named Dick Rowland was falsely accused of having assaulted a white woman. Um, goes on here to tell you what happened. It says uh, Roland had entered an elevator where the where the operator Sarah Page screamed shortly after he arrived, according to the Tulsa Historical Society and Museum. Roland was accused of sexually assaulting Page, and when he was arrested on May 31st, a white mob demanded that 
the sheriff turned him over to them. About 25 black men arrived at the courthouse that night offering to guard Roland, but the sheriff turned them away, still concerned that Roland faced violence. More black men returned to the courthouse later that night. About 1,500... It got crazy. About 15 armed white men stood, stood off against about 75 black men outside the courthouse. Many on both sides of the conflict were World War I veterans. Uh, the black men retreated to the segregated city of Greenwood District, properly known as Black Wall Street, because of the number of African-American businesses as tensions escalated and gunfire was exchanged. Smoke rises over the Greenwood, um, the Greenwood District of Tulsa, Oklahoma, during the race riots that left 300 black people and hundreds more wounded in 18 hours on June 1, 1921. White rioters led by the Ku Klux Klan began burning Greenwood down early on June 1st, looting many of the district's black businesses as the governor declared martial law and brought the National Guard. Official death tolls at the time accounted for 36 people in the riots, although experts have long believed that that number could be in the hundreds. And this is probably, if you haven't heard about it before, this is probably where um, you've gotten familiar with it. HBO's Watchmen, so... Um, which the the opening scene to this was intense if, if you haven't seen it um, it says HBO's Watchmen recreated the two day event in its pilot episode in October the show based on the 1980's graphic novel used the unsettling massacre to set the tone for its season but it's creating the most anxiety in America right now and for me the anxiety is undeniably race Damon Lindoff the showrunner for Watchmen told NBC News, superheroes cannot defeat racism. The Tulsa Massacre, one of the most severe incidents of racial violence in U.S. history, was one of several mass killings in cities around the country beginning in 1919. It's definitely a stain on our city. Um, and I said this before in a video where I mentioned this. I, I mentioned in a prior video that they were going to start this, and now it looks like they may have found... Um, those graves but I hope for any of the relatives of the people um, that were involved in this that you know died because of uh, these people's ignorance I hope that they find some peace and, and, and that they can give these people you know a proper burial it's absolutely sad thing so this is ridiculous here whoever did this needs they need you know their ass kicked. This is ridiculous. Because, I mean, if these people were going to this Twitter account, to, I haven't looked at it to, you know, read updates on the Epilepsy Foundation or whatever, and they actually suffered from epileptic seizures. And one of these things triggered epileptic seizure just by going to and looking at a GIF and it triggered it. Um, that, I mean, it's wrong. I think people are just being jerks for no reason nowadays. Let's hack like let's hack everything and uh, cause all this you know all these issues for people so epilepsy foundation says hackers posted seizure causing gifts to twitter account the epilepsy foundation says it was a, it was targeted in a series of cyber attacks last month uh, that caused the organization's twitter account to share gifts and videos meant to trigger seizures to thousands of followers the attacks which featured flashing and strobing lights deliberately targeted targeted the Twitter account during National Epilepsy Awareness Month, and the greatest number of people with seizure disorders were likely uh, following the thief. 
the foundation said in a press release on Monday. The foundation's Twitter account was hacked 30 times in the first week of November, a spokesperson for the Epilepsy Foundation told HuffPost. It's unclear how many people viewed the tweets or, or if anyone suffered a seizure because of them. You cannot yet be contacted by anyone who was adversely affected. The investigation is still ongoing, the spokesperson said. The foundation has filed formal criminal complaints with law enforcement authorities, including the U.S. Attorney, Attorney's Office in Maryland, where the organization is headquartered. Twitter is one of the largest places of public gathering that exists today, Allison, a cold director of legal advocacy for the Epilepsy Foundation, said in a statement. These attacks are no different than a person carrying a strobe light into a convention of people with epilepsy and seizures. About 3% of the people with epilepsy, mostly children and adolescents, suffer from a photosensitive version of the disorder, which can cause them to have seizures if exposed to certain flashing lights or visual patterns, according to the Epilepsy Foundation. Many people don't realize they have photosensitivity epilepsy until they have a seizure, and Jacqueline French, the foundation's chief medical and innovation officer. Last month, cyber attacks were similar to messages targeting author Kurt uh, Etchenwald in 2006, the foundation said. Etchenwald, who has epilepsy, was sent a message on Twitter containing a strobe-like gif and the message, quote, you deserve a seizure for your post. Two months later, Etchenwall had written a piece for Newsweek about the death threats he received for criticizing then-candidate Donald Trump during the 2016 election. The message caused Etchenwall to suffer an immediate seizure, seizure, which lasted about eight minutes, reported the Times. His lawyer said Etchenwall probably would have died if his wife, a physician, hadn't found him unresponsive and called 911. Seriously, what is wrong with people? Like, why Why do people find joy in doing this to other people? I don't understand it. This is absolutely ridiculous to me. Find something better to do with your time. My God. As law enforcement officials trace the attack to John Rain Ravello, Marine Corps veteran from Maryland. He was reportedly scheduled to plead guilty on Monday to a charge of aggravated assault, but the hearing was postponed until January. Etchenwald, in response to Epilepsy Foundation's statement on the cyber attacks, tweeted Monday, quote, When will these idiots figure out we won't let them try to kill or hurt us anymore? Seriously, uh, leave people alone. Find something better to do with your time. Ridiculous. Uh, this, is, this is pretty funny because I can't stand these people. Um, you know, this this time of the year, it's you know not only the uh, spirit of giving, it's apparently also the uh, spirit for thievery and and uh, stealing people's packages off their porch. Uh, so this idiot got caught because the uh, what the article says here: California porch pirate caught after police used GPS bait package. So this uh, moron right here says. Uh, a suspected, quote, porch pirate in California was arrested Thursday after police used a bait package that had GPS locator inside. The Anaheim Police Department said on Facebook that Leonard Ramos, 34, was taken into custody after a package was stolen from a home around 5 a.m. last Thursday. The 
Authorities arrested a 34-year-old shortly after the package was taken and alerted authorities to his location, Sergeant Shane Carringer told City News Service. Uh, this is his mugshot. Um, and as always, all the links are in the description underneath the video, and you guys can go there and you can read these further, but I recommend uh, taking this uh, article and this idiot's mugshot and uh, making him famous. I can't stand thieves. Uh, article goes on to say the department has been using the bait package system since the summer in order to improve efforts to solve cases and make potential thieves think twice about grabbing something from a porch, especially during the busy holiday season. The bait package program by the department utilizes GPS technology that communicates with nearby cell towers and is triggered once the package moves. Please then update. Police then get updates on its location every three seconds, which includes how fast the package is moving. After his arrest on Thursday, Ramos was booked into the Orange County Sheriff's Intake Release Center. He's being held on $20,000 bond, according to inmate records. Idiot. Uh, this is gross. Um, like I said, I, I, I cover stuff like this because... Um, it's also to show, you know, kind of the depravity that that civilization is headed into. Basically, before any civilization, empire falls, there's this huge, um, huge fall, decline into moral depravity, and people just doing disgusting crap like this. Um, so, this article says doorbell camera captures man defecating on Denver porch. Well, it would, it, I mean, it would have been funny if someone had hacked this doorbell and the hackers were the one that witnessed this, but this idiot. And like I said, prior, earlier this year, maybe earlier this year or um, middle of the summer, something like that, there was another video that came out where uh, a person was caught licking somebody's ring doorbell. People were just strange. So this is out of Denver, Colorado. An unidentified man came onto the porch of a home in Denver's Capitol Hill neighborhood early Saturday morning and defecated. It was all captured on doorbell camera. It says, it's one of the last things Scott McCoy expected to see while uh, skiing in the mountains over the weekend. He was skiing when the notification started popping up on his phone. Through 41 different doorbell videos on his phone, he watched the incident happen. He says it appears the man was intoxicated. Well, um, hopefully he was intoxicated because I don't think anybody in their right mind would do this. Uh, first, the suspect rings the doorbell and then he tries to break into the home just before 2 a.m. Next, he goes over to the corner of the porch and defecates on it and then spends the next few hours stumbling and spreading feces all over the porch. The boy lives in South Capitol Hill and suspect uh, suspects the man came from a nearby bar or Christmas party. He does not believe the man is homeless. He's waiting for police to file a report first before touching any of the evidence. Despite the tainted porch and a lock that now needs to be fixed, McCoy says he's not looking to press charges. I would press charges. So, uh, that's just one uh, disgusting article. I'm going to read. Not funny, but... Uh, people just 
you gotta have something wrong with you. And I don't think alcohol is an excuse to go vandalize somebody's house or try to break into it. Uh, the thing about Oklahoma is uh, we have a law here, and it's called the Stand Your Ground Law. If you try that here, chances are you're probably going to end up getting shot if, if the person's home. My older brother has used it once, and I've used it once as well, and they were justified. So uh, this is I don't really talk about a lot of politics here. Uh, but this is an uh, article that just popped up. Uh, House passes $1.4 trillion spending plan with tax provisions. So the House passed two giant spending bills Tuesday, providing $1.4 trillion to fund the government through September to avoid a government shutdown after current funding runs out on Friday. The bill to fund defense-related departments passed on a 280 to 138 vote uh, the other to fund non-defense agencies and extend a number of expiring tax breaks passed on a 297 to 120 vote. Spending bills are the product of weeks bipartisan talks, and they will now head to the state or to the Senate, where they are expected to pass. So I'm not going to go into this. The the article is linked in the description. You guys can go on. If you follow politics, you probably know that this is happening. Now, this is funny, and, and I don't really like laughing at people's misfortunes. The guy's okay. Uh, but the driver used so much air freshener, his car literally exploded. So, word to the wise, if you're using aerosol, uh, anything like that, uh, perfume, anything that has alcohol in it, and you go to light a cigarette in a closed-in area, it's probably going to explode. So don't do that. I should have known. It says a driver in the United Kingdom is now the poster child for heating warning labels. On Saturday, his car exploded while he was in it. The reason, according to a tweet from the West Yorkshire Fire and Rescue Authority, the driver had sprayed, quote, excessive amount of flammable air freshener in the car and then lit a cigarette. Genius. BBC reported that the driver was sitting in traffic in Halifax, when he lit the cigarette, causing an explosion that buckled his car doors and shattered its windshield and windows. Um, imagine how much, uh, imagine how much stuff he had to spray in the car for that to happen. Suck the oxygen out of it that fast that shattered his windows. Pretty amazing. I, I mean, I'm glad he's okay. This is kind of funny, but I'm glad he's okay. Uh, the blast was so powerful that it even damaged the windows of nearby businesses. And people in the area took to social media to report uh, feeling the entire home shake. The most mind-boggling part of this truly bizarre story, though, is that the driver was able to climb out of the car after it exploded, sustaining only minor injuries. Very lucky. Very lucky. So authorities are hopeful that others will learn a valuable lesson from the experience of this one uh, very lucky driver. Uh, there's a quote here that says, We don't always seek risk in everyday items, but invariably they do exactly what it says on the tent, West Yorkshire Fire and Rescue Authority tweeted. We have attended incidents of similar nature before. Always read the labels. Absolutely insane. Glad he's okay, though. 
this article, uh, I'm going to get more into uh, the stuff overseas. Uh, this article says China's super gun worries Pentagon watchers. Uh, it goes on to say while the United States spent several dithering, uh, spent years dithering over the future of its much hyped electromagnetic rail, railgun project, China appears to be moving closer to hitting its operational target sources safe. The Chinese Navy plans to field its own sensitive version of the electromagnetic railgun on naval vessels as early as 2025, possibly sooner, according to a U.S. intelligence assessment first reported by CN CNBC. China's interpretation of the long theoretical supergun, which utilizes a massive amount of power to create electromagnetic fields to accelerate projectiles to hypersonic velocities, is reportedly incapable, or sorry, reportedly capable of striking a target 124 miles away at speeds of up to 1.6 miles per second, according to CNBC. Fast enough to strike Philadelphia from New York in just under one minute. Wow. It's insane. U.S. intelligence assessment is accurate. Excuse me. This is a major strategic coup for the Chinese national interest reported. Back in February 2018, photos circulating on social media appeared to show a railgun-esque uh, deck, deck gun mounted on the bow of a Type 0723 class landing ship, uh, Haiyang Shan. The next month, a People's Liberation Army-run uh, news outlet confirmed that the Chinese Navy had achieved a, quote, breakthrough during sea trials for the new railgun. The Chinese railgun was first deployed in 2011 and then tested in 2014. Over the next three years, the supergun was collaborated for extended operational ranges, including, or sorry, indeed, the U.S. intelligence assessment confirms that the Chinese supergun was first mounted on naval vessel for at-sea trials even earlier than the PLA said. Those sea trials resulted in some serious egg on, on the face of the Pentagon. As task and purpose reported at the time, the ONR electromagnetic rail gun uh, has, been, has been stuck in a research and development, quote, valley of death, after more than a decade of deployment that cost U.S. Five, uh, $500 million. The reason? Shifting priorities within the Pentagon Strategic Capabilities Office towards other directed energy projects, namely the hypervelocity projectile and solid-state laser that offer more cost-effective alternatives to the pricey supergun. Meanwhile, plans to perform at-sea weapon testing appears to have been delayed in favor of further research. So while development will probably continue, there will be there will still there are still two major problems holding the railgun back. The first is meeting the weapon's massive power requirements at sea, and the second is demonstrating that it'll be quote better than existing weapons. Railgun launches rounds using electromagnetic force rather than explosive propellant, and the U.S. prototype has 100 mJ of pulse power capacitors, and a 25-megawatt power plant 
for recharging. The capacitors release their store charge into the railgun barrel in a hundredth of a second, accelerating the projectile to about Mach 6. The USN's goal is to fire 10 rounds per minute, so the capacitors need to be recharged every 6 seconds. There's a, um, I guess what would be a picture of the railgun there. Few warships have spare electrical uh, capacity and the weapon requires. The strongest candidate is the USN's Zumwalt class destroyer, whose 78, um, I guess it's millowave or microwave, integrated power system can dynamically distribute power between propulsion and onboard systems. It should have about 58 microwatts, I guess, of reserve power while steaming uh, at 200, or sorry, 20 knots. By comparison, the RLI Burke class destroyer has a 7.2 for onboard systems. But before the USN commits the kind of money uh, required, it has to prove that the weapon is worth the investment. Some experts believe the railgun's prohibitive power requirements and stiff compatibility competition for missiles. Uh, the USN has surface-to-air missiles capable of intercepting both anti-ship cruise missiles and ballistic missiles. Uh, make it difficult to justify integrating it into existing warships. Meanwhile, according to Military Watch magazine, Indian defense scientists successfully developed electromagnetic railguns able to fire projectiles at 4,600 miles per hour. The country's Defense Research and Development Organization reported a 12-millimeter mm square bore EMRG was successfully tested in November 2017, and preparations are underway for testing of a more powerful 30 millimeter type. The military aims to accelerate a one kilogram projectile to a velocity of more than 2,000 uh, meters a second. Such a weapon would give the country's naval forces significant advantage, allowing it to launch devastating strikes on both land targets and surface naval vessels. If you wanna go and read more into this article, uh, the link's in the description below. Um, so this came out today. Uh, somebody actually already covered this. Um, very interesting. This is going on. Uh, back, I think it was earlier this year, they had the whole, you know, Russian submarine thing that, that occurred. And now we have this happening. Russia's spy ship, quote, unsafely close to U.S. nuclear sub base off East Coast. U.S. Coast Guard issue a warning over a Russian spy ship operating with apparent disregard for safety along the East Coast near Georgia and South Carolina on Sunday. Russian ship Viktor Linov was spotted operating in an unsafe manner near U.S. nuclear subbase, Washington Times reported. The Coast Guard issued a maritime safety information bulletin about Linov's activities, including erratic movements, not powering running lights, and low visibility conditions and not responding to ships attempting to coordinate safe passage. The Coast Guard advised vessels traveling near Georgia and South Carolina to, quote, maintain a sharp lookout and use extreme caution when na navigating in proximity to this vessel. U.S. observers have shadowed the Linov periodically for years, and officials believe the ship's mission has been to spy Navy facilities and gather intelligence on U.S. nuclear submarines. The Linov has been suspected of monitoring a large naval base in Norfolk, Virginia, as well as submarine base at Kings Bay, Georgia. 
The Russian ship has also previously been suspected of tapping undersea internet cables. But I believe that's what the submarine was doing. Or what they said it was doing. The Navy observers last tracked the Russian ship in March of 2018 near Kings Bay. At the time, Canadian security analyst Stefan Watkins detailed the signs indicating the ship's spying activities. The, ship's, the ship is outfitted with more than antennas above the waterline, Watkins said. Victor Lenov is reported to have magnetic anomaly sensors, acoustic gear to profile American vessels, and have the capability to map the ocean's floor. Though the Viktor Lenov's activities in March 2018 appeared as part of a routine surveillance activities, U.S. intelligence officials raised increased interest in the ship after Russian President Vladimir Putin revealed the development of an underwater nuclear drone codenamed Canyon. Canyon high-speed underwater drone, also known as Status-6, is reportedly capable of carrying a large nuclear warhead. Such a weapon could destroy entire ports and harbors. The Canyon nuclear drone was detailed in a video that depicted an attack on Florida and showcased other Russian weapons in development. Navy Captain uh, Pamela Coons said the North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, and Northern Command, NORTHCOM, regularly track vessels of interest, such as the Lenov, uh, when they operate within the NORAD and NORTHCOM area of interest. We are aware of Russia's naval activities, including the development of intelligence collection ships in the region, she said. While we won't discuss specific measures being taken, NORAD and U.S. NORTHCOM routinely conduct air and maritime operations to ensure the defense of the United States and Canada. I, I think it's strange that all this stuff is happening over there and then it's getting closer to home over here and uh seems like back in the day if something like that were to occur then uh, we would do something about it now it's just kind of kind of just passive about certain things i know i understand monitoring what's going on but just uh allowing them to travel that close i guess is kind of awkward to me uh, I just saw this article and I decided I would read it because it's interesting. I'm not saying that it's true. Uh, this could be a, a, a propaganda article for all I know. Uh, Sirius Assad says the U.S. is working with, quote, terrorists and selling oil stolen from the country. Syrian President Bashar al-Assad has accused U.S. forces of stealing the country's oil and working with ter terrorists to maintain their positions there as he tries to restore his authoritarian rule over the war-torn nation. Assad, who is backed by Russian, Russia and Iran, told state news agency SANA that Syrians must unite to make America's position in the country untenable. It has been a turbulent end to 2019 for U.S. forces in Syria, and there were some 2,000 soldiers stationed in the country until October, when President Donald Trump abruptly ordered American troops out of the position in the northeast of the country, where they were deployed alongside allied Syrian Democratic Forces, or the SDF. This facilitated a Turkish invasion of the area, with many U.S. forces ordered to retreat into Iraq. The Trump administration has since said it, would, it will retain a small American force in the east of the country to guard the oil, the oil wells there. 
thought to be around 500 soldiers backed by armored vehicles. The official logic behind the plan is to deny Islamic State remnants area access to the potentially lucrative wells. However, Trump himself has said he would like to bring in U.S. companies to work the fields. Assad, who has reportedly uh, repeatedly criticized and mocked America's erratic uh, serious strategy, claimed in his sauna interview that the U.S. is extracting oil from the fields and selling it to Turkey. Now America is, is the one stealing oil and selling it to Turkey, Assad said according to Russia state-backed TASS news agency. Assad noted that the Americans are following in footsteps of AQ, offshoot um, Jabha al-Nursa, and, you know, those guys right here. I'm not going to say it. If you're listening on the podcast, um, I can't say certain things on YouTube. Some of the stuff I'm saying, I'm, I'm not even supposed to be saying. They're trigger words. Um, it says, both of which sold oil from the fields of eastern Syria. Turkish regime, regime plays a direct part, Assad added, accusing Ankara of also working with al-Nursa and Islam. Uh, Assad's Russian backers have previously accused the Americans of smuggling oil out of Syria, estimating the U.S. could export some $30 million worth from the fields each month. The dictator, whose brutal crackdown on reformist protesters in 2011 sparked the <laughs> ruinous civil war also once again urged Syrians to unite and force remaining Americans out of the country. Key areas of the country remain outside Assad's control, but with Russian and Iranian support, the strong man has been able to take back much of the nation. The Turkish invasion in October gave Assad valuable gains, with the SDF, abandoned by their American allies, forced to turn to Damascus for help against the Turks and their Islamist proxy militias. This handed control of key cities and areas to the regime with barely a shot fired. In this Sana interview, Assad also suggested that a continued U.S. presence relies on the help of militant groups. The Americans rely on terrorists, he said, and a terrorist must be attacked. This is a priority for us in Syria. Striking the terrorist weakness, the, Ameri- uh, the American presence one way or another. Assad did not specify to which groups he was referring, but American and other Western troops have worked closely with the SDF and the Kurdish mil- mil- sorry, militias that form its backbone. Together, these forces fought that name again and recaptured the territory it had controlled. Assad added there remain groups, quote, acting under American command in Syria and said they must be persuaded one way or another, and particularly through dialogue. This is in all our interests in Syria that they embrace the homeland and join the Syrian state efforts to liberate all its territories. At that point, it's only natural that there will be no prospect for an American presence, he claimed. Many Syrian communities will have no wish to return to the Assadist fold, having fled from the or fought against the despotic regime for more than eight years. Assad's government has shown itself to be brutal, vindictive, and unapologetic in fighting uh, dissenters, all of whom the president has cast as terrorists.
So the next article here is Syria prepares for a major offensive as U.S. votes for new sanctions on Assad, Russia, and Iran. Um, the article starts off, it says, The Senate has passed a bipartisan bill seeking to punish Syrian President Bashar al-Assad and his supporters for alleged human rights abuses committed throughout their eight-year effort to crush an anti-government insurgency. But back in the country itself, the Syrian armed forces were preparing to push on with another major offensive. Washington lawmakers hailed Tuesday's passage of Caesar Syria's Civilian Protection Act named after a pseudonym of Syrian defectors who leaked about 55,000 images purporting to show the government's starvation, brutal beatings, strangulation, and other forms of torture and killing that affected at least 11,000 people between March 2011 and August of 2013. The report triggered new U.S. sanctions against Assad at the time, but lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have struggled for three years to further financially target, target Assad and his two top international supporters, Russia, Russia and Iran. The bill included a National Defense Authorization Act of the NDAA for next year would expand existing restrictions against the Syrian government as well as those doing business with it and target other parts of the country's embattled economy until those deemed responsible for the alleged war crimes were held accountable. In the years since the bill's inception, however, the tide of the war has turned decisively in favor of the Syrian leader, who has reclaimed most of the country. On Tuesday, the pro-government Al-Watan newspaper reported on the arrival of, quote, large and new military reinforcements yesterday to areas considered as contact lines. In the final, uh, in the final rebel and jihad-held province of Idlib, including southern Khan, some of these names I can't pronounce, Khan Shekhon and eastern Sinjar, uh, citing a source on the ground. Since last September, Inlib and its outskirts have been subject to a deal struck by Russia and pro-opposition Turkey clashes, or Turkey, and clashes have nonetheless persisted in the source described this frontier as, quote, launching point for new military operations that the army may carry out at any time, pending orders from its military command. The U.S. and a number of its allies, including those in Europe and the Middle East, have repeatedly criticized the Syrian and Russian military's air campaign in Idlib, a region dominated by the jihadi Hayat Tahrir al-Sham coalition and other Islamist forces, but that also host up to 3 million civilians. So far, however, the White House appeared hesitant to use force in response to anything other than suspected chemical attacks as occurred in April of 2017 and 2018, as Washington aims uh, shifted throughout the greater Syrian conflict. Former President Barack Obama supported the insurrection that launched in 2011 seeking to oust Assad, but ultimately switched his focus to backing the majority Kurdish Syrian Democratic Forces to battle against the Islamic State militant group uh, in a shift made officials, official under his successor, uh, President Donald Trump has since overseen the defeat of that group again, uh, so-called caliphate, but has but has been met with severe criticism over plans to withdraw from the country as competing international forces advance their own rival agendas. 
Turkey, a member of the U.S.-led NATO Western Military Alliance, has opposed the Pentagon's backing for the Syrian Democratic Forces because it's considered the Kurdish People's Protection Units, YPG, linked to the outlawed um, Kurdistan Workers Party, or PKK. Turkish President Erdogan has ordered two cross-border offenses, offensives supported by rebels against the YPG in past years, and a third larger attack in October caused Trump to pull U.S. troops further east, where controlling lucrative oil reserves is now a priority. The abandonment of the U.S. positions led in Syrian Democratic Forces to strike a joint security deal with the Syrian and Russian governments, whose forces have expanded their control over northern Syria, further bolstering Assad, Assad's staying power. Syrian leader has also accelerated his calls for Kurdish fighters to give up their self-rule aspirations and return to the government fold. While the previous editions of Caesar Act carried more ambitious aims against Assad, such as studying the vi uh, viability of imposing a partial or total no-ply zone over Syria, the current version focuses on targeting the effort to normalize Assad's rule in the region. Assad's military and political victories have sparked interest in rebuilding ties to his government among Arab states, many of whom severed relations altogether in 2012. Bahrain and United Arab Emirates, Emirates have reported their embassies in Damascus and others have held meetings with Syrian officials as Russia's as Russia attempted to use its newfound regional influence to end the uh, <coughs> the convince uh, to end the uh, convince the Arab League to end its boycott of Assad's government. Trump is expected to sign the measure into law. Um, before I got on here this evening. I believe that there that Russia just did a huge airstrike over in uh, Syria this evening, and it's reported that it's coming out of there that uh, a bunch of civilians, including children, were either injured or killed in that airstrike. So um, I don't know exactly what's going on over there, uh, but I do know that a lot of innocent people lose their lives and, and things like that. So, um, regardless of their religious affiliation, I tend to try to pray for um, the people that are victims of whatever they're doing over there. Whether it's, you know, hoarding natural resources or, or whatever the government's interests are overseas. Um, you know, I at least pray for the innocent people involved, especially the children. Uh, this article is interesting. NASA building supersonic plane that goes as fast as... Uh, Concord without the sound. NASA's X-59 space plane, capable of flying faster than the speed of sound without the loud boom that comes with supersonic flight, is finally nearing completion. The plane will be the first large-scale piloted X-plane that NASA has launched in more than 30 years when it's finally put together. It could also herald a new era of fast space travel as it attempts to overcome the problems that have blighted previous attempts like Concorde. Normally, supersonic planes create a loud boom when they reach the speed of sound and have, as a result, been banned from flying over populated areas, but the creators of the X-59 claim it will be almost silent. And the space agency has announced that it is cleared for final assembly and integration of its systems after being looked over by senior man managers. 
the plane which had which has the full name X-59 Quiet Supersonic Technology, or QSET, what I'm going to call it, is being uh, put together by Lockheed Martin, which will now work to complete it ahead of testing. It should be approved for its first flight in 2020, and the actual launch will come a year after that. The completion of the KD-D, we've shown the project is on schedule. It's well-planned and on track. We have everything in place to continue this historic research mission for the nation's air traveling public, said Bob Pierce, NASA's Associate Administrator for Aeronautics, in a statement. NASA says the new plane will make a boom that will only be audible as a, quote, gentle thump or might be entirely silent. It is able to do because it is able to do because of its precise shape, which looks something like an even more sharp version of, of the Concorde. It will fly nearly as fast as it as it's looked like with a cruising speed of 1.42. That will be put to the test when the plane is ready to fly and the trials will see it sent over quote select US communities and test flights that will allow NASA to measure it using sensors and people on the ground who will quote gauge public perception of the sound of the plane. Um, I wonder what it's like in the cockpit for that. Things got to be pulling some serious G-forces. So this is an article more on artificial intelligence, uh, but this is actually going into some of our military aircrafts, the F-35 and the B-2. The article says Art artificial intelligence is going to make America's F-35 and B-2 even stronger. It says fighter jets will control attack drones from the cockpit. Bombers will avert air defenses and real-time intelligence data will be available to attack forces more quickly, all, to, all due to new iterations of fast-evolving artificial intelligence technologies. Faster computer Processors, AI-infused algorithms, able to merge or fuse sensor information and automated maintenance and checklists are informing emerging pilot tactics aimed at anticipating future threat environments. Various applications of AI now perform a wide range of functions not purely restricted to conventional notions of IT or cyberspace. Computer algorithms are increasingly able to almost instantaneously access a vast pool of data compare and organize information, and perform automated procedural and analytical functions for human decision makers. When high-volume redundant tasks are performed through computer automation, humans are freed up to extend, expend energy pursuing a wider range of inter, interpreventive or conceptual work. The bottom line is the next thing that is going to enable the U.S. to maintain its uh, qualitative edge uh, is the seamless and ubiquitous sharing of information. Aircraft are going to be a part of senior sensor shooter effector uh, maneuver I ISR complex, said retired Lieutenant General David Deptula, Dean of the, Mi uh, Dean of the Mi Mitchell Institute for Aerospace Studies and Warrior Contributor. The F-35 and B-2, for instance, rapid database access, organizing information, and performing high-volume procedural functions are all decided 
advantages of AI applications. Algorithms, for example, are increasingly able to scan, view and organize targeting, ISR and sensor input, such as navigation information, radar warning information, and images or video. F-35, for instance, uses early iterations of artificial intelligence to help acquire, organize, and present information to the pilot on a single screen without much human intervention. Often referred to as easing the cognitive burden upon pilots, the effort is geared towards systematically presenting information from a range of uh, desperate sensors on a single screen. The F-35's widely discussed sensor fusion, for example, is evidence of this phenomenon as it involves consolidating, targeting, uh, navigation, and sensor information for pilots. In the near future, F-35 pilots will be able to leverage AI to control a small group of drones flying nearly from the aircraft cockpit in the air performing sensing, uh, reconnaissance, and targeting functions. At the moment, the flight path uh, sensor payload and weapons disposal of airborne drones such as Air Force, Predators, and Reapers are coordinated from ground control stations. For instance, real-time video feeds from the electro-optical electro, electro infrared sensors on board an Air Force Predator, Reaper, or Global Hawk drone could go directly into the F-35 cockpit without needing to go to a ground control station. This could speed up targeting and tactical input from drones and reconnaissance missions in the vicinity of where the fighter pilot might want to attack. In fast-moving combat circumstances involving both air-to-air -air and air-to-ground threats, increased speed could make a large difference. The F-35 already relying on AI. As we go to the future, the Air Force will start to incorporate loyal wingmen, autonomously contributing aircraft. There's going to be a huge potential for AI not only in terms of weapons, but in terms of being able to operate as an extension of the manned aircraft, Deptula said. An F-35 computer system, autonomic logistics information system, involves early applications of artificial intelligence, wherein computers make assessments, go through checklists, organize information, and make some decisions by themselves without needing human intervention. A computer called ALIS makes the aircraft logistics tail more automated and is able to radio back information about engine health or other av avionics. A single secure information environment provides users with up-to-date information on any of these areas using web-enabled applications on a distributed network, a statement from ALIS builder Lockheed Martin says. LIS serves as the information infrastructure for the F-35, transmitting aircraft health and maintenance action information to appropriate users on globally distributed network to technicians worldwide. The statement continues. The prospect of using advanced algorithms and onboard computers to quickly perform a range of aircraft functions while enabling human decision makers in a role to command and control in further explored and researched paper from a London-based think tank called Chatham House Royal Institute of International Affairs. 2017 essay titled Artificial Intelligence and Future Warfare explains how fighter and bomber pilots checklist can be enabled by AI and cognitive aiding tools. Pilots rely significantly on procedures to help them manage the complexity of various tasks. For instance, when a firelight illuminates or another subsystem indicates a problem, Pilots are trained to first stabilize the aircraft, 
but then turn to the manual to determine the correct procedure uh, rule following. Such codified procedures are necessary since there are few too many solutions to possible problems to be remembered at Chatham House Paper Rights. Given the scenario, AI-enabled onboard computers could massively change the equation by performing some of these described key procedural functions autonomously. This not only gives this not only lowers pilots' workloads, but frees up pilot quote cog cognition to focus on more pressing mission critical tasks. The Air Force's stealthy B-2 bomber is yet another example the aircraft is receiving a new flight management control processor which increases the performance of the avionics and onboard computer systems by about 1,000 times, Air Force officials said. So if you want to read more about this, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the integration of artificial intelligence into more of our aircraft, uh, the link is in the description. You can read more about that article. So, uh, I'm fixing to get into what the title of, of the video is about, uh, which is Mystery Objects in Tonopah. And if you guys know who Ben Rich is, he was uh, the leader of Skunk Works uh, from 1975 or 76 to 1991. And then um, he had a quote, which was Lockheed Skunk Works. He was the Lockheed Skunk Works director, I think, from 75, 76 to uh, 91. In an interview that he gave uh, with a guy uh, named Jim, um, I guess one of his confessions was, uh, his deathbed confessions was, um, and this is a quote from him, it says, We have things out in the deserts, out in the desert that are 50 years beyond what you can comprehend. If you've seen it on Star Wars or Star Trek, we've been there, done that, or decided it wasn't worth the effort. So the article that I'm going to get into um, has to do with a dozen mystery objects suddenly popped out of hangars at Tonopah Test Range Airport. So this could be the place, like I know that this is a one of the places that um, they won't even admit some of the aircraft that we have in our arsenal. Um, they still kind of deny it. Um, this is probably where they keep it at. So this is probably where these photos came from that are satellite photos. But um, this article I just I found was interesting because from remembering his his quote on that and then saying this, and me, I always say anything they're telling us that we have now, they've had it for years before we're privy of the information. <coughs> so the article starts off, uh, Tonopah Test Range Airport located along the northern edge of sprawling Nevada Test and Training Range may not get a lot of pop culture attention that nearby Area 51 gets. But in many ways, it's just as fascinating. It was born out of a program that saw American fighter pilots secretly flying captured MiGs against their fellow aviators, and not long after the program spun up, the remote installation was greatly expanded to house the F-117 Nighthawk force during the early and deeply classified part of its career. 
It has since housed the semi-mothballed F-117 fleet following its official retirement more than a decade ago. And it was also the original home of the RQ-170 Centennial. Today, the highly the high security base continues to support a number of secretive programs as well as a test as well as testing at a nearby range. Now highly unusual activity around a dozen hangars at the shadow insulation has been caught on satellite. The image in question was snapped around 10:15 a.m. local time on December 6, 2019 by one of the by one of Planet Labs Planet Scope satellites that imaged the vast majority of Earth daily. The 3 meter resolution images Excuse me. <coughs> Something in my throat. Uh, the three-meter resolution image shows the front row of the southernmost, quote, canyon of hangars, which were originally built for the F-117 program, with seemingly identical craft sitting in front or at least protruding out of the hangars. These are also the hangars that appear to house at least one secretive aircraft, which has been spotted peeking out of the multiple... Uh, prior satellite images in the past. But the December 6 image is unique in that we could not find a similar phenomenon after checking hundreds of similar images that span months of time. It appears that some program was uniquely active that day with a small fleet that makes up the contents of those hangars being involved. It remains unclear exactly what we're seeing in the images. Uh, morning shadows are clearly present. But in our experience with using the exam, using and examining thousands of planet scope images, objects appear smaller than they are due to the lower resolution, not the other way around. Wings and other appendages on smaller airplanes seem to disappear, making them look smaller overall than they actually are. The size of the blobs we see in the image are roughly fighter-sized, which you, which you will see for yourself in a moment. The question is what type of aircraft are we seeing if indeed that is the case. If they are the elusive unmanned combat air vehicles the U.S. Air Force won't even acknowledge or RQ-170 Centennial derivative aircraft, which is quite possible. They could be totally outside of their hangars based on their size. If they are larger aircraft, they could have a good portion of their fuselage sitting uh, forward of the hangars. There's a, a far away picture of it. Right there. There's one reason for this uh, could be to establish and troubleshoot any satellite data link issues before the aircraft taxi to the hammerhead and then depart. Advanced unmanned aircraft in particular, which don't need to even rely on operators located at the same bases in which they fly, would be put would put a premium on checking out their beyond line of sight data links before heading out toward the runway. Other potential explanations exist as well. For instance, maybe this is how they are fueled, although a dozen fuel trucks fueling aircraft at the same time seems highly unlikely, especially based on historical high-resolution satellite imagery of a facility. Fuel trucks are not an exact fit uh, for what we are seeing here either, but even if that were the case, it seems a dozen aircraft of an unknown type were going out on a mission together for one reason or another. Even the flyable force F-117 force that still calls the base home is estimated at around four to six aircraft max in size, not nearly a dozen. 
In addition, the F-117s don't occupy, quote, red hangar uh, cluster seen here. They use the white hangar cluster to the far north of the ramp. Uh, the blue hangar cluster lies between the two. Pretty uh, neat aircraft there. That's the F-117. A few of the hangars at Tonopah's Test Range Airport also hold foreign ground-based threat systems that get used for certain exercises like Russian-built Scud and SAM missile launches. But many of those systems are stored in single hangars and not a single system in one hangar, as seems to be indicated in the photo. Nor has there ever been the impression that entire rows of hangars are full of these systems. Beyond that, placing single examples of identical systems or near identical systems in front of each hangar makes little sense, but it is something to consider. There is, there has been a substantial amount of activity at the base in the latter half of 2019. Nearly all of the visible daytime activity picked up on satellite occurs on the northern end of the ramp between the blue and the white hangar clusters. U.S. Special Operations Command, CASA, CN-235 transports similar ones likely operated by private contractors and other special operations aircraft have common presence on the ramp in this area. The base is an established testing uh, locale for U.S. SOCOM aviation-related initiatives. The F-117s can also be seen uh, fairly regularly using the ramp's area exclusively. As many as four have been seen there at one time in daily satellite imagery, which you can see below. And there's the picture of that there. Uh, I don't know how well you're seeing that on your video if you're watching this or if you watch it later. And if you want to look at the pictures any further, you can go to the link in the description. An image taken on September 9, 2019 shows a row of four F-117s sitting across from a pair of Special Operations Transports and what is likely an Army Blackhawk, which also have a presence in this part of the ramp from time to time. I guess if you can see the mouse on your screen, it's this area right here. So you have the hangars up top here, the four, and then you have the six down here at the bottom. You can see one, two, three, four... Uh, next to the four hangers at the top, and then one, two, looks like three down to the hangar here uh, below that one. The F-117s seen in this image also provide good context to the size of objects seen in the image in question. As such, they appear to be roughly smaller in size, but the mystery aircraft could be substantially larger if they are all only sitting partially out of their hangars. Beyond that, clearly advanced airborne signatures testing is conducted out of the northern ramp area. The Air Force's shadowy, shadowy NT-43A, which goes by the call sign RAT-55, and is used as an airborne signature measurement laboratory, is a common visitor to this part of the base. As our rare airliner-sized test, test bed conversation conversion aircraft, This isn't surprising because as uh, this isn't surprising uh, because as posited years ago, the flying F-117s are involved in signature control experiments and RAT-55s service are surely used by other more modern but undisclosed tenants 
of a base. It's also worth noting C-17s grace the ramp somewhat regularly in this area as well. And then you can see a picture there, the aircraft. Those look uh, fairly large compared to the other one in the other picture that I just showed you. A September 24, 2019 image showing two airliner um, derivative aircraft, what appears to be a C-21 and a CN-235 on the ramp between the blue and white hangars. And one is very likely RAT-55. The other may be a 757 F-22 testbed aircraft. Below is a high-resolution image of a March 13, 2019 of a base showing RAT-55, some CN-235s, and what happens, uh, what appears to be a group of people watching some sort of flight on the north end of the wide hangar section. Also note all the cars that line the rear of the northwesternmost trio of blue hangars. It seems these are used consistently or constantly for SOCOM operations and assets. So you can see, uh, you're looking at the picture here with the mouse around it. You can see the area right here. Looks like a bunch of people standing there. And then you can see some of the aircraft down here at the, at the bottom of the um, photo here. High resolution image taken on March 12, 2019. It's worth noting that the reconstruction of some of the base's operating surfaces has largely been completed now. When this was taken, construction was deeply underway. The rumors of some huge expansion of the base are false. Like in any airfield, the runway and movement areas need maintenance and rehabilitation. The only new taxiway area is the small cutout on the northmost taxiway that stops abruptly and is likely used for engine runs. So you can be the judge, you can go back and look at this article and you can kind of decide on what you think it might be. Um, but like I said, I think um, it, it could be, it, it could be anything. It could be a, an unidentified aerial vehicle of any sort. It could be what we think is a UFO. It could be a TR-3B. It could be any of those, uh, in my opinion, personally. Um, so if you guys like any of the articles I read, all the links are in the description below. Uh, like I said at the beginning of this, this is a live podcast. This is a live podcast, and uh, when I'm done here, I will post the links to the uh, the link to the podcast in the description below if you want to listen to this in podcast version. Um, and as always, you can send articles to KingsmanReport2019 at gmail.com, or if you ever decide to tune into this, you can call in 1408-638-0968 and enter the meeting ID number. It's 534-233-4758. So that's pretty much it that I have for the evening. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. Remember to pray for one another and uh, uplift one another. Um, so until next time I see you guys, my name is Ryan. This is the Kingsman Report. It's the news everyone ignores. Um, shalom, and you guys have a good evening, and y'all bless.
you for listening. You all have a good evening. Tomorrow at 7 p.m. for another live podcast from the Kingsman.